it's about being really present and curious and open and just acknowledging that this is a part of who you are and there is nothing about you, my daughter, that is too big or too scary or too uncomfortable for me because I'm your dad and you can talk to me about any part of it. So if you're feeling this here and you want to talk about it, I'm your guy. If you're feeling this and you just want to let off some steam or go and chuck some rocks off a bridge, hit me up. Like, what could it be like if, you know, you knew that your dad was available for all the parts of who you are and how then would that set you up for relationships and letting you know what you could expect down the track if you choose to have a relationship with a man? That was Lucy Peach. I'm Rich Bolas, and this is the Dad Mindset Show. Lucy Peach is a period preacher, author, comedian, and musician. She's a longtime champion of the power of the menstrual cycle and an advocate for self-love and positive body literacy. In this episode, Lucy explains how each of the four phases of the menstrual cycle are misunderstood, especially by men, and how to appreciate what is arguably one of the most important parts of life itself that has for far too long been hidden by shame and secrecy. I hope you find this conversation with Lucy as fascinating as I did. Lucy Peach, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Rich. I am super excited to talk with you and I'll explain a little bit about how I came across your work. A friend okay. at work was just, you know, I'd bumped into her in the kitchen. I was like, oh, Kel, you know, what are you listening to? I could tell she was listening to a podcast and she looked at me a little bit sheepishly and sort of went, period queen. And I went, really? Tell me more. And she went and she showed me the picture and I was like, oh, wow. And she was like, it's amazing. And so I hooked into it. And I binged, listened to the entire series on a trip to Melbourne and I was laughing at loud. Like it was just so good. Like the the time, effort, the heart and soul that you've put into it and the stories just they were amazing. And it just gave me a, a glimpse into something I'd never even contemplated before. And I, I wanna say thank you straight up for that. But I also feel even though this would be a really uncomfortable thing for me to do Bef- like before today, I just mm. want to ask, like, what day are you on right now? <laughs> yeah, I just want to really, um, I want to really welcome your discomfort because I just feel like, you know, I've been doing this work um, publicly since around 2015, 2016. And it's taken this long. I feel like something is happening right now where men are um, feeling more comfortable and willing to kind of be uncomfortable um, and just sort of have a chat. And it's such an exciting time, you know, because I think until that happens, nothing's going to change. That was a really long-winded way of saying I'm day 25 rich. So... (laughs) And yeah, like, can you, know. you explain what, what that means in your yes, mind? Yes, I'll explain what it means. Um, so I guess, you know, the way, is this, is this a podcast that's, are people, is there any visual or is it just? Yeah, well, there can be later, yeah. but at the moment it's predominantly All right. radio. Well, let's just say that, okay, for those who aren't watching anything, 
what I want you to imagine is um, like a landscape. And if you imagine that the menstrual cycle is a landscape that is happening every single month and it starts off in a valley and it's kind of, you know, it's a dip and it's quiet. And then once you've finished your period, you're climbing this mountain, you're getting ready to ovulate, you've got a lot of estrogen, it makes you faster and stronger, you're building stuff, you're building brain connections, bone, muscle, a new womb lining, you're very focused, you want to get stuff done, you're six times more motivated than at other times in the cycle just before you ovulate. Then you're at the top of the mountain, then you leap over and you're on another mountain of progesterone after you ovulate around mid-cycle. You have a great time there. You've got a lot to give, a lot of abundance. You've got progesterone, which is nature's feel-good hormone. It's kind of um, relaxing compared to estrogen being um, anabolic, you know, building things, and it's more energetic. So you've got a lot going on. And then you're coming down the mountain at the very end. So there's this landscape of sort of starting from nothing, building up to something, having everything, and then you're on the way back down. So I'm, I'm pretty close to getting back to the cave, the valley again. And yeah, I guess at day 25, I call that, um, you know, when you're premenstrual, I call that the take phase because no one knows by looking at me what day I'm on and what I need and where I'm at, but I do. And I know that I'm coming down the mountain and I can come down the mountain the nice way or the shit way. But if I know there's a mountain and I'm definitely coming down, then I can, you know, plan accordingly. So, yeah, you just, it's like you just start to feel the turn where you just got a little bit less energy, a little bit slower and tighter and, um, you know, annoying things might be more annoying. Um, yeah. So what would be the nice way to come down that mountain, Lucy? Mm. I guess, you know, the first thing is just having awareness because it's like anything, you know, um, you know, I was watching this movie the other night around about Emily Bronte. Um, can't remember exactly when it's set, but it's sort of, you know, 18th century, 19th, it's, it's old and it's set in England, you know, so you just get absolutely kind of dropped into, the gender norms of the time, all of the expectations on women, um, how much of what we go through that just couldn't be spoken about, that just couldn't be said, and all of these people kind of clunking into each other, unable to have awareness of what was going on for them and to be able to communicate about it. And, you know, we've come a long way really in terms of having um, awareness of our emotions, awareness of different um, you know, gender presentations of neurodivergency, all of these things we're, we're understanding. It's not a personality flaw. It's just that these are parts of what it is to be human and, um, you know, this is how we talk about it. But because it's um, we've had this, you know, incredible backstory of shame and stigma and not talking about it, um, it's, it's hard to address. So we internalize it all. And so I think the first step is just having openness and awareness and some acknowledgement. And, you know, when I can say to my partner, you know, if he says, do you want to do this thing on Friday night? I can go, yeah, I kind of want to do it, but I'm going to be day 26 on Friday. And, 
Yeah, I don't think so. I'm going to use that opportunity to just slow down and rest, have some solo time. You go, you have a great time, um, but I'm going to just save my spoons because, yeah, I've got this on next week and I'll be menstruating and I don't want to burn the candle at both ends. So it's just kind of really about, I guess, bare minimum awareness, being able to have a conversation um, and, you know, a bit of extra time and attention for self-care and then there's a whole lot of other things that you can do to really you know honor and celebrate the space that you're in but I think bare minimum awareness and a conversation yeah Yeah. but and in your book as well you you term it almost like the creative space as well don't you Mm, mm. and so yeah absolutely because you're a musician as well that's almost like, like time for uh, withdrawing within and introspection and and so mm. is it the dream time that you sort of term it um well the dream phase is once you start bleeding so oh, I, I guess it. yeah and 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 you know from a seasonal equivalent it's like you know when you're menstruating it's kind of like winter and you're in the dream phase when you're getting ready to ovulate you know imagining a bird about to lay an egg that's like the do phase is like spring and then once you ovulate around mid-cycle somewhere, then you're in the give phase post-ovulation and you get all this progesterone happening. And then where I am now in the take phase, you're coming down this mountain and um, this is like autumn. So, you know, before you have winter over here, and it'd be nice to have two of these, you know, stuck <laughs> to each other. Before you have win- uh, winter, you, you're in autumn and so it's that, it's that time of um, discernment is a word I'm really loving at the moment where you're looking around and you're like, mm, yeah, I don't know that I like that there anymore and actually that's uncomfortable and, you know, I've got to talk to that person about that and you're really noticing what isn't working and um, and that's, a you know, it's an important energy to be with because if you never looked at your life through that lens then you would just keep going and you would never stop to reflect and you'd never make any changes. So, um, using that energy is, yeah, it's a great opportunity and it's a great opportunity, like you just mentioned, to apply it to something creative because you're less likely to care about, you know, doing things to please others. You're going to be able to really just do what feels good and more easily able to, uh, yeah, tune into that sort of deep part of you. And I think particularly for younger people, um, that's a really protective strategy because, when you know your daughters are learning to kind of ride their own waves, it can be really overwhelming when you first feel those premenstrual feelings and you just think, Oh god, like everything is just awful and I just I just can't stand anything and it's terrible and people don't like me and my earlobes are fat and my knees are wrong and you know, I can't, it's like, it can be really consuming, but if you know, Hey, this is a time when you can feel really critical and you can feel a bit more prickly. Um, and a great thing to do is, you know, whatever you love to do to be creative, then a, you'll get better at the thing that you're doing, whether that's, you know, songwriting or origami, but also you're not kind of lasering that focus on, things that we often can't control, you know. So it's good to notice what isn't working, but it's also good to just, you know, get out of your head and into your body and do something that makes you feel like you. Yeah. And it sounds like almost a really good time to recalibrate 
and and use it as a filter of what really is important to you as well. And if it's something that you've just said yes to in the give phase and gone, oh, yeah, I can do that. But then you're like, oh, this really doesn't align with who I am or what I want to achieve. You can actually just let it go. Like, yeah, and, and, exactly. and, and, and almost like question yourself, like, what are things I should be letting go of at the moment that are yeah. not serving me anymore? But That's I, right, chopping off the dead wood. Yeah, or throwing the suitcase over the, uh, yeah. you know, that the, the you talk about in the book about carrying a suitcase, hauling a suitcase up a mountain. Yeah, I think I had a dream that I was, I was climbing this cliff and it was sort of, I was dragging this suitcase and I was ho- hoiking it up and, you know, wait, hoiking, that's wrong, isn't it? That's what you do when you... Clearing no, it, it works. I was it hauling it up, yeah, and then I got to the top and realised I didn't even want the damn thing anymore, so I biffed it off. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great dream. But mm. And what you said earlier really sort of resonated as well. Like in the, the do phase, like you can become six times more effective. And mm. it's this idea that I guess women have always been compared to the linearity of men. And society is definitely built around that linearity. And when you talk about how men have a a daily cycle in in relation to the sun, you know, testosterone peaks in the morning and then it peters off in the afternoon. And so there's there's different elements of the day for guys where they can get things done in the morning and afternoon's better time for collaboration and so on. Whereas a, a woman's cycle is spread over a month, yeah. but it's it's still a cycle nonetheless. It's just more yeah. attuned to like the moon cycle rather than the sun yeah. cycle. And 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 I love the idea of really, you know, like each of the four elements have their superpowers, yeah. but it's only once you recognize them. And that's yeah. what I'm really fascinated about because if no one talks about this stuff, yeah. how can our girls and, you know, or, or society in general really embrace the, you know, support, empower the you know 50 percent of the population yeah yeah it's massive and you know i would like to come back to what you said at the very beginning of the conversation around wanting to ask what dale was and feeling you know a bit confronting and to just like what does that feel like for you because i guess that's a really um it's a really fascinating thing to me because i guess that's the last frontier and you know so many times I've been, um, I learned this, you know, being in Ubers because often if I was doing a show or something, I'd, you know, over east and I'd have to get ready and then get in the Uber and I'd get in in my sparkly red cat suit and they'd be like, where are you going? I'd say, well, I'm, you know, and I, I used to sort of be all shy about it and say, oh, well, it's, you know, it's just this show and it's about periods and, you know, I would, I would almost set them up to be uncomfortable and then I kind of started trying to just be really kind of just boring about it and be like oh yeah I've got this theater show and it's about understanding the menstrual cycle and how you can see it as a you know resource and then I could sort of see them like I think she just said menstrual cycle (laughs) okay but she seems like she's kind of being normal about it so okay I I guess I'll just be normal about it and oh, cool, so tell me more. And then we'd have a conversation and it was like it just made me realise I think a lot of men, a lot of men are really uncomfortable about it. A lot of women are really uncomfortable about it. Um, but I think a lot of men are really just like that. Anyway, I'm not going to woman explain what it's like for being a man. You tell me like <laughs> why it's hard, what goes through your head or your body. I don't know. Tell, tell, tell me some, something I don't know. Well, I think... My my sort of feeling is it feels like I'm overstepping a line mm. that, you know, society says, oh, you know, you, 
even even broaching the subject feels quite invasive because it feels mm. like private business and it's mm. sort of like that it does it feels like i'm trespassing over a line that i should that society has taught me should never actually mm. talk about that stuff i mean i remember and, and when a, you say society taught you like do you remember something or what is that what did that look it's like? never been talked about no one yeah. has ever talked about it mm. like no one it's mm. it's kind of ridiculous when we think about it. it's such an important part of how life is created and, and the whole yeah. society is created. And and I, I don't even, I, until I read your book and listened to the podcast, I didn't really understand the process either. You know, I yeah. you, you hear all this negative bad press about PMT, PMS, the misogynistic sort of down talking about, oh, you know, I'm not even going to repeat what you hear said. Oh, and, on. and I think, oh, you know, it's classic things like you can't have a woman in power because she might, you know, have a yeah, bad PM, plane into a PMS session and push the nuclear button or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's just terrible. And I, I, I would hate for my daughters to go through that. And I yeah. think we're, we're at that inflection point in society where it, yeah. it is much more, uh, it's more okay to talk about this stuff. But I do feel it's like almost like the last, one of the, the last. Yeah areas to start talking about and, and only in the last few weeks since since we arranged this talk and I got introduced to the podcast I've started actually talking to some close friends about it female friends and they immediately have listened to it and then opened up about this conversation mm. and it's just amazing that the conversations you have that from this and mm. I'm thinking all these things that we as guys have missed out on in I supporting know. supporting yeah. our, our women and our mm. daughters and mm. you know it, well, and, and also benefiting from them being, um, you know, aligning a, with attuned them. to yeah. it and aligned yeah. to it. And I think, you know, you said something earlier about it just wasn't talked about. And I think that's really interesting because I think a lot of the time we think that if you don't hear anything negative, then it's not negative. But neutrality yeah, it definitely well, was shrouded sh- 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 in, uh, I think, the, the shame piece. Because I know mm. that, like, I, I know that girls that I went to school with, they were ashamed of having a period. It was always mm. seen as, like, this horrible thing that was mm. happening to them. And I suppose, boys, we would pick up on that and, and mm. it would be like, oh, just don't talk about it because she's obviously, yeah. like, she's in pain, she's got cramps or whatever, she's had time off school, it must be horrible. And I think there's that sort of rift that gets built between the yeah. sexes through that just just the Well, even in education, it's like often they'll still separate, um, you know, the genders and boys will get, you know, wet dreams and erections and girls will get periods yeah. and it's like, you know, and I think – it's interesting because obviously, you know, I mean, what's an ideal world? What is a utopia look like? You know, is it like you going up to strangers and saying, Hey, how's it going? You know, I'm rich. I'm day 1 million and 50. What day are you? Like, I don't know. I don't think so. But I yeah. think, and, and you know, for a lot of women too, like, yeah, they probably would won't be horrified be that open. Yeah. Because it's been, it has been so demonized and weaponized and, even in the work that I do in corporate spaces, often I can see um, there's people who feel really vulnerable about this being something that's spoken about in work because I don't want this to be another thing that gets in the way of me getting to the top, you know. And I guess that's why I'm so passionate about um, 
talking about the benefits of being cyclical because there are benefits and I know because I've used them and I've spoken to hundreds of people who have felt the benefit of, you know, being where they are and using what they have. Um, but those, you know, nothing happens in a vacuum. So those things are sort of happening um, at the same time. And it's interesting because I think, I mean, I don't know how old you are, but I'm nearly 43 and I remember, yeah, that it was like the narrative was very much, you know, periods of gross or, yeah, like scary and not to sort of, you know, no one really knew how to talk about it or, or the other end of the spectrum was, you know, you're a psycho and you're premenstrual. So none of that is great. And, you know, for guys, they, um, yeah, it's like I don't want to perpetuate that. I don't want to get it wrong. I don't want to be invasive. So I'll just not say anything. And then you get this whole missed opportunity, like you said, of just understanding, you know, because I think it's like, you know, if there's something about you that makes you who you are and I'm your friend or I'm your partner, then I want to know those things because I want to be able to connect fully and have, you know, real genuine um, relation relationship. Um, and this is, you know, something you said before about, um, about this oh, being – an instigator for other conversations, um, that's the bit that I think is really exciting because ultimately, yeah, not everyone's going to want to go out and sing what day they are from the rooftops (laughs) and, you know, like just go for it. But what lives underneath it? And if we take out all the shame and all the stigma, um, then what then? And we don't even know. That's right. And one of the conversations I had, oh, and by the way, I'm 47, so I guess we sort of grew up in similar Similar areas. Yeah, yeah. But um, one of my friends that I spoke to only last night, she's a doula, and I just Mm. mentioned that I was, uh, you know, chatting with you today, and she she just immediately, her face lit up. She was like, that's amazing. And then she told me these amazing stories of how she'd normalized it with her sons. Mm. And to the extent where, you know, when um, she was – uh, I don't know, there's a, a time when they'd run out of tampons in the bathroom and she shouted out to her son. She's like, oh, can you go get a fresh box of tampons? Because we've run out here. And she's very o- open about where they're stored in the bathroom. She even like tells her kids like, so this is where the the the, the equipment is for like that time of the month for a, a, a woman. But behind that is also like protection as well. Not that you need mm. to go there, but just so that you know if there's a mm. situation in the future. And and just normalizing these conversations so that the kids are totally open to, oh, yeah, it's just, you know, mom needs to get some tampons. So they'd probably mm-hmm. go down to the supermarket and buy some for her. Yeah. And, and I think that's where we need to get to. And I loved yeah. your story. Was it your son? I think that was going to a water park with a friend. And the friend actually in the car, there's two guys and a girl. And the friend said, oh, actually, I've just got my period, like in the car on the way there. Yeah, because, that's right. Yeah, and, and because he was so it was so normal to them, they actually went yeah. around asking strangers at the water park, oh, has anyone got any spare pads or tampons? Yeah. My friend's just got a period. And yeah. the, that's kind of the support that I think I want our sons and daughters to receive and yeah. give, like around yeah. this stuff, not not have it be someone's problem that's shameful and tucked away. It's yeah. just something that happens and yeah. everyone's across it and it's not an issue. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and when I when I sort of, 
heard that story and I was like, oh, that's amazing. And oh, that was so beautiful. And he was like, it really wasn't a big deal. Like, <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean? It was like, there was a problem. We fixed it. Like he did not want, you know, you're the future of masculine. Like he didn't want any kind of praise. He was like, yeah. it's really not. It's it's like, it's normal. And I think, yeah, it's that balance between, yeah, we can herald it and really have reverence for, you know, how we all got here and it's an amazing part of creation. But, yeah, I, I mean, the practical part of it, you know, having something to bleed in and that should just be, yeah, a baseline. And obviously, you know, for a lot of people it, it still isn't, you know, like if you're out in a remote community or, you know, you you don't have what you need, then, yeah, it's, it's um that, that still happens in Australia. So I think the more we just have conversations about all of it, then the more all of it can be um, addressed and supported, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so, so yeah. just to take a step back as well, Lucy, like how do you actually define the superpowers then? the four mm. stages of the cycle like how do you view them as superpowers well i guess the 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 basis is that there are kind of four different hormonal phases so your body is doing these four different things um which is basically you know the two main events of the menstrual cycle are menstruating and ovulating so kind of you know you're deep in the valley you're high on the mountaintops or the dark moon and the full moon or you're making you know, these are just analogies. And, and, yeah, or, yeah, exactly, and your bird's flying away. I don't know. These are just analogies for um, understanding that cycles are everywhere. They're in nature. They're, it's, you know, it's a big part of who we are. It's just that, you know, in the modern world we've kind of lost a lot of that connection. So you're, you've got these two major things that happen every month and you're either doing them or you're preparing to do them. And so you've got these different um, levels of hormones in your body, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and your internal biochemistry is changing every day. So, you know, the fact that we wake up and feel a little bit different than we did yesterday and a little bit different from this week to last week or a lot different this week to last week is, yeah, it's just I think that's uh, that in itself is a superpower that you're constantly adapting to this internal biochemistry that's always changing and you're having to sort of navigate that as you go out into the world and have relationships and do your jobs and do all the things that need doing. And I'm always, you know, um, really careful to say, you know, it doesn't mean there are four discrete feelings and, you know, everyone needs to subscribe to them in the same way because obviously everybody is different. And that's why learning your own cycle and tracking your own cycle and getting to know it um, is really important because, everyone's going to have a different experience. Some people sail through the whole thing. Other people have, you know, parts that they really have to kind of befriend and work on. Um, for most people that's being premenstrual and menstruating. But, you know, for me it was the do phase. It was that big rise in energy that was really like quite overwhelming and anxiety-inducing and kind of tied up with imposter syndrome and things like that. So it's like all of the ways, I guess, um, that women have been sort of mm, kept from being their whole selves, there's a lot of overlay in the cycle. So to really understand and explore your cycle can be incredibly restorative. Yeah. Um, and so do, yeah. You, do you sort of suggest like tracking for, you know, a cycle, just like keeping a journal or something like that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, 
I, I think three months is a really good amount of time because obviously in one month something might happen or there might be, you know, some big things going on at home or at work or at school or whatever and, you know, sample size of one is it's not great. <laughs> yeah, not statistically over, relevant. <laughs> that's right. But over three months, you know, you can be like, oh, I always feel a bit like this around then or I always feel a bit wobbly around day 10, you know, when that estrogen's really peaking or I always feel like having a party on day 16 or, <laughs> you know, like you can you can sort of um, pick out the threads and then just have more self-awareness, you know, and I think particularly for young people, but, I mean, any people. Well, that's, that's just, the, yeah, I think that's the, the, the bit that's missed because I can't, I can't imagine what it's like for someone just starting this and mm. especially if none of their relatives talk about it or it's just yeah. like they just sort of hand them off some stuff to hide it like yeah. what must how be old are your daughters on? again yeah uh, 13 and 11 yeah yeah I mean and like the amount of dads that I talk to so I do parent talks at schools and um I can see the you know the t- and there's often not that many dads but there's generally like there's a few, but not, you know, it's more mums, like probably 70, 30. And some of the dads come in and they're sort of like. <laughs> arms and legs crossed. They're sitting as far <laughs> back in the seat as they can with their arms crossed. And I'm always really kind of just try to welcome them in as much as I can to say, like, I know this is a complete world away from what you grew up with. But, and, you know, you don't need to learn how to put a tampon in or anything. But. <laughs> It's about being um, really present and yeah. curious and open and just acknowledging that this is a part of who you are and there is nothing about you, my daughter, that is too big or too scary or too uncomfortable for me because I'm your dad and you can talk to me about any part of it. So if you're feeling this here and you want to talk about it, I'm your guy. If you're feeling this and you just want to let off some steam or go and chuck some rocks off a bridge, hit me up. Like what 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 could it be like if if you know you knew that your dad was available for all the parts of who you are and how then would that set you up um, for relationships and letting you know what you could expect, you know, down the track if you choose to have a relationship with a man. Yeah. I mean, I can't say, Lucy, like how that makes me feel when you just say that. Because how, that Tell makes, me, how does it make you it, feel? It, it makes me feel like I want to tear up because that's yeah. exactly how I want to present to yeah. my, my kids. You know, yeah. I want to be there for all of them. To, yeah. Not to invade, but just to be there to support them whenever they need me in whatever yeah. form that takes. Yeah. And and I, I can imagine like 100% of dads are the same if they're honest with themselves. Well, and, that's the thing, yeah. And I think and it makes me want to tear up as well because, <laughs> you know, we didn't have this, you know. Look, we didn't, we didn't have this. And, you know, if we do want to really tip this over, then we really need dads. We need men. We need dads. We need partners who are just open to having a conversation and, you know, like, I mean, it sometimes, you know, I, one of the men that I spoke to at a, a corporate session a few weeks ago, he said, how do I ask what day she's on without sounding, and these are his words, 
like a prick, you know. <laughs> and I was like, well, if you only ever ask her when she's premenstrual and tired and frazzled and snapped at you because you said there's no milk left, then, yeah, you probably are being yeah. a prick. But if you're really genuinely curious and you're interested in what it's like for her throughout the month, ask her once a week. Say to her, how about now? What's going on for you now? What are you noticing in your body? Like, what are you feeling? I mean, like, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a difference, you know. Um, yeah. I can't remember where I was going with it, actually. I've well, I think because one, one of your points in the book was like from a work setting, you know, it could be amazing because there's times yeah. when there's certain parts of the month where it's yeah. like planning is your bag. That's it. You yeah, can do some right. amazing focus planning. And there's other times where it's just about getting stuff done and everyone around you, it's almost in slow motion. And, yeah. and then there's other times when you've got to be like filtering ideas and just gestating yeah. and sort of that's yep. the, the the phase where it's like yeah running things through the the filters and just percolating yeah. things up yeah. and sitting on those ideas but those are all like really important things to be doing mm. and just because you do them in a you know you're not just picking to do them anytime you're actually it gives you so much more agency i guess you know mm. that's the time when i know i'm going to be able to do that really well mm. and so yeah. i'm going to i'm going to lean into that yeah. those tasks yeah. Almost like batching your tasks. Absolutely. To, That's right. And, yeah. you know, we can't all, you know, if you're a bus driver, you can't always, yeah. you know, <laughs> organise your entire life around your cycle. But I think just knowing where you are and knowing how to support yourself, then it means that when you are doing something that maybe doesn't feel like what you want to be doing, you don't have to go and think, well, that's because I'm useless or, you know, yeah. whatever you know that it's because of, you know, where you are and what you need. And just that little bit of acknowledgement and compassion can really take the edge off, yeah. you know. And, the- and, yeah, obviously in a workplace, I mean, if, if the culture is safe enough, then, yeah, that's that's a really exciting. Um, that's next level, isn't it? That's yeah. super next level. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I think to, to your point, like the most important relationship we have is with ourselves. And if yeah. if you're beating yourself up, yeah. Because you're you're trying to fit you know some something into something that's not working for you, mm. and you're not noticing that on repeat repetitive cycles, like mm. that's your self esteem's going to tank and all sorts of stuff. Whereas if you mm. have that so that sort of extra filter that goes, ah, oh, you know, I I recognise mm. now that I'm trying to do something when it's not my optimum time for doing that mm. thing. It just mm. gives you that extra, you know, it's it's your your superpower to know that and, yeah, and be right. able to plan accordingly. That's right. Yep. Absolutely. And I was highly aware of like the the phase you talk about where you just want to give so much because your progesterone's through the roof. But yeah. then you've got to be very mindful that the following week you're totally not going to be wanting to follow through with those commitments. So is it is it yeah. a case where you need to almost like use that I think as Derek Sivers talks about if you if it's not something that you would agree to do tomorrow then say no because yeah, your future self strategy. it's so it's it, it's so easy. To, yeah. to sort of commit to something in the future because it's it's a long way away, you know, it'll be fine. Whereas tomorrow feels a lot more proximal and you're like, ooh, mm. yeah, tomorrow, I don't think I'd actually want to do that tomorrow. I love that. That's a I'm really good really, filter. I'm going to really try that. Yeah, because I think, you know, and just it's really interesting because I think the older I get to, I'm just thinking more generally about rest and how rubbish we are at, you know, listening to our bodies and giving them what we need, sleep, all of those kinds of things. And, 
Yeah, I mean, overcommitting is something that, um, I mean, everybody's probably got some experience with it. But, yeah, that, that segue from being post-ovulatory to premenstrual, if you overcommit then, then you really pay for it. And, you know, the fallout can be um, a lot to manage. And, yeah, I love that strategy of saying, would I do it tomorrow? I mean, yeah, for me it's like, would I want to do that when I'm premenstrual? I mean, yeah, it might be nothing. No, that's not true. But, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I apologize because obviously this was committed two weeks ago. <laughs> no, no, and don't apologize because, I mean, it's really about me. Well, that's interesting because it makes me think of how, um, you know, it's like obviously there's an imbalance in society. And Massive. if we put all of that responsibility onto one individual to just love their cycle and be in align with their cycle, never mind if they've got endometriosis or PCOS or whatever else the hell they've got going on, that's kind of bullshit and it's a lot of pressure and expectation. Um, but, you know, the more you know yourself, the more you can set your boundaries accordingly and spend your energy how you like. And I, I kind of think that, you know, men, women, um, you know, people of different genders, we all have a similar amount of energy but with yeah. the menstrual cycle you just spend it differently. So, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I think we all need to work on our boundaries because it's so, like there's such demand these days to yeah. just be on all the time, to be able to do everything. You know, your, your email is like a Twitter feed. It's, it's ridiculous, the volume yeah. of things that we're exactly. expected to, to actually keep tabs on. That's and, right. Um, and to actually be able to draw some lines in the sand and say, no, I'm actually not going to do that. That's, not, that's just not a priority for me right now. And I, yes. I, I love that language that you use, you know, it's procrastination. You know, it's, yeah. in some terms, in some, some cases, it's procrastination is not bad. It's more like a, it's just not a priority right now. That's and accepting right. that, but knowing yeah. that it will be a priority at a, at a different time. And I think just having that self-awareness is amazing and, and embracing yeah. it. Yeah, that's right. Well, and it, you know, it really kind of undoes that, that thing of feeling like you need to be everything to everybody all of the time and you need to be the same all of the time. And those two approaches to life are really exhausting, whether you've got a cycle or not. So yeah, yeah agree. 100%. Oh, definitely. So, I mean, with, what what would be the the best outcome do you reckon for like a year from now in your mind around knowledge and awareness? A yeah, a year, Lucy. Not tomorrow, like a year. Not what yeah. you've got to do, but I mean, because you've been doing stage shows, you've you've written a book, you you've done so much around this. You're doing corporate talks, TED talks. I mean, you've seen the change over the last couple of years. But what would it what would it be if like what would be the the ideal situation you think that's striking that balance well? Well, I guess it's like anything, you know, real change is like it's a lot of little gradual shifts and, you know, just kind of moving the needle a little bit takes a lot of talking, you know. Dad's talking to their daughters, mother's talking to their sons. You know, mums always say to me, what can I do for my daughter? You know, I, I want to make this positive environment. I want to make everything wonderful and I want to, you know, totally reinvent the world for her. And I, I'm like, oh, honestly, the most powerful thing you could do for her is to model 
how you take care of yourself, how you set boundaries, how you say, I'm going to change my mind or, um, you know, this is what my body needs today. You know, just really um, modelling that connection to... Yes, right. And and that's not easy. And even to acknowledge that, to say, you know, I didn't grow up with this or I never saw my mum having a rest or, you know, just the, we're, 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 rele- we're relearning a, a new script, you know. I think that that's a really powerful thing to share. Um, yeah. And ultimately, I mean, you know, if I had a magic wand, then I would mandate it in the school curriculum because currently still in schools our kids are only really learning about the menstrual cycle in the context of hygiene and reproduction. And, yes, you need a period to reproduce, but, you know, it's such an important part of who you are. And if we don't acknowledge the emotional landscape um, that comes with having a menstrual cycle, then we're completely, um, you know, remiss in terms of giving our young people information that's going to empower them and it sets up this whole thing of it's just me and it's just my hormones and so on and so on and so forth. And, you know, one of my favourite stories to share is this girl that emailed me after reading the book and she was 12 and she said, you know, I'm getting my second period and, you know, I used to feel tired if I came home from school that I wanted to have a nap but... I'm on day two and I'm writing in my journal and I'm having a cup of tea and I had a nap and I didn't feel guilty and la, 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 la. And I was just like, oh, man, I love that so much because if every 12-year-old now knows that they don't have to feel guilty when they're tired and they can listen to their body and, you know, plan accordingly, then we are maybe, you know, 40 years away from having all of these CEOs who are going through menopause and know how to listen to their body and know that they don't have to apologize for their body and we've got more balance you know so that's that's the world that I want to be a part of yeah and I think the it reminds me of the story when I think it was your friend's daughter Banjo um, and so she, when, when she sent, the mom sent letters to all her friends, the, the aunties essentially, and said, hey, look, my daughter's coming up to that age where, you know, she could be, you know, having her first period. So if you wouldn't mind, like, writing a letter for her. I mean, is that how the story goes? I can't quite. Yeah. So she kind of reached out to some of the important women in her life and said, you know, this is what's imminent and I would love for you to share something of yourself that's going to, you know, set her up for this new part of her life. And then um, when it happened, everyone got the call out and all of these gifts and letters and, you know, little thing. It might have been, you know, a woolen scarf or a bottle of lavender oil or whatever it was, but they were just little tokens and letters from people to let her know that this was a really um, important moment in her life that, that deserves to be acknowledged and celebrated it's wonderful because that daughter then knows that those people she can quite openly talk to and and go to whereas had the mom not done that the the daughter wouldn't have reached out to like her mom's friends necessarily certainly not 10 of them and known that it was safe to have a, a conversation or ask them about something even if they couldn't talk she couldn't talk to her mom about something you know yeah, that's i think that's right. so powerful to have that sort of tribe around you but um and that reminds me also of my friend Adula. she talked about how it's also really important to, to measure 
or uh, greet your daughter where she is as well. So yeah, some absolutely. daughters can be extroverts and like, yeah, let's That's hold right. a party and all the yeah, uncles. Red and velvet cake and red cocktails <laughs> yeah. and everyone dressing red and... <laughs> Yeah, and I think I think that's a great point to mention, Rich, because what I see often too is mums making the experience um, what they would have really loved, yeah. and that's okay. You know, I mean, I met some women in the UK who they do um, like retrospective monarchy ceremony. So monarchy is your first period, and there were women going along to do these ceremonies who were in their sixties who wow. were like. They have all this shame that they still have in their body, um, you know, around this really pivotal time. And so it's never too late to, you know, to do that or to acknowledge that or to think about what that might have looked like. But then obviously then when you are creating something like that for your daughter, you know, it needs to be in line with what she wants. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's it's you and her just going camping for a weekend or staying yeah. in a hotel. I don't know. That's you got to read the room. You got to read the room. You got to read the room. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think it's such a spectrum of people who are horrified, don't want to talk about it, and then other people who are ready to have the street party and you know the red velvet <laughs> cake and you know it's like a million points for intention and for trying, but obviously. You know, I do hear from some young women who were like, oh, my God, my mum, like, she told everybody we had this huge thing and it's like, you know. But but it is it is a significant moment for parents when that happens. So, you know, maybe you can celebrate in your own way for yourself, you know. I think it's all of these things, it's really important to, to mark them. They're rites of passage for our children and for us. We don't have enough rites of passage at the moment. We've, we've lost so many of them. And I think having any kind of ritual or, or like a, a, a turning point in life is, is really, it's really important. And obviously you've got to do it in a mindful way that's appropriate. But I think the more of these, these, these things that we can acknowledge and, and sort of s- celebrate in a mindful way, really important and, and really help as we develop as, as you know, adults. I, I still want, like, I want to go on rites of passage now. Like, yeah, I, I don't think it should ever end. One of the things that really like hit me quite hard was a comment of a 70 year old I think it was a 70 year old guy that came up and apologized or apologized to his wife and just said like after seeing your stage show I'm so sorry I just didn't realize and all these years they'd been married and he'd been totally oblivious and not paid any attention and and he was really sorrowful uh, regretful of his ignorance around that and and that's something i think is a great opportunity for guys especially to to you know reconcile now yeah and it's you know it's never too late and i think it's it's you know it's the sea we're all swimming in and it's one of those things it's like the more you look the more you see and the more you look and the more you see and then you realize you know all of these layers and what's underneath them and yeah i mean my dad he's 60 seven and when I go and stay with him now he he'll tell oh so you've got you've got your period uh, okay can I get you a cup of tea and a piece of toast what would you like on the toast and I can see he's really trying and he's um and now you know he tells people about my book and you know tells them about the whole cycle and he's a real champion and I just think that's really what we need to to harness next because um it has been, you know, a bit awkward and but as you can see, there's all of this kind of potential for 
be much bigger conversations than blood. I mean, yeah. how boring. You know, I think it's like really interesting when we move into, yeah, what actually what have we got in common about these things? And, you know, I feel overwhelmed sometimes. So do you. I feel, you know, really generous and like I need to think about my boundaries. So do you. These are just it's just part of the human condition. So, yeah, I think having having more men um, have conversations. And, you know, conversely, I spoke to a woman a while ago who she'd come to my show. She was really excited. She had two little girls. She went home. She told her partner. And she said to me that she was really heartbroken because she said to him, I've got to tell you, it's so amazing. I found out all this stuff about my cycle and my body. And he was like, oh, TMI, too much information. And she was really... Um, really upset, you know, because it's like it, it was something that she wanted to share with him and he wasn't quite ready and, you know, some people are going to take some more time. But I would love to hear from you in a couple of years, Richard, about, you know, where you're at with it and how, you know, how the conversations have been going along because, yeah, I think just the fact that your girls even know you're having this conversation is like that's, that's cool. It's really cool. Well, it's all, down, it's all down to you, Lucy. So I just want to say a massive thank you because one, the podcast just was so enriching and entertaining and just opened up this whole new world to me. But, you know, the, all the work you're doing for so many people, it's so important. So I just, from the bottom of my heart, thank you, Lucy. It's, it's amazing. Oh, thank you. It is my pleasure. I love it so much. And I, I just, I find it so rewarding because, yeah, I think when people, um, can be more who they are, then that's really exciting. And it's such an easy get too. Like it's just, it's really, you know, it's like it's just a bit of information and once people have it and then they can apply it and integrate it in a way that feels good to them, then off they go. And, you know, I'm just, I hope I get to see, I'm fascinated. I'm just, I love imagining being like 90 and just, thinking about what that might look well, like. It's not 90. Like, I, I, I'm going to throw something out there, Lucy. Like, it's not just this generation. Like, what you're doing now is going to have repercussions down several generations. Like, like <laughs> it could be, like, quite a massive turning point. Let's, let's not mm. sort of downplay this. Like, this could mm. be huge, you know. Well, I hope so. And, you know, I'm certainly not the only one championing these conversations as – yeah, lots of people doing work like this. And, you know, if you if you don't like my book, go and read Optimized Woman or Wild Power or there's lots of different resources. And it's, I think, yeah, I really hope that there is this tipping point with um, an openness and a real claiming of, of our cyclical nature as being something that's, um, you know, not just to be supported, you know, but actually it's, it is real power and... We, we need it, you know. We need a world that's more in alignment and more in balance where we're using the resources that we have efficiently instead of just, you know, burning through things. So, and, you know, and I, I think the, the other interesting thing is around um, sustainability, you know, like reusable products, um, you know, can be a bit more confronting because you've got to actually look at the blood and sometimes touch it a bit. But you know, there's this beautiful crossover with taking better care of the earth and taking better care of ourselves. And I think, I hope that 
lives on. You know? Yeah. What is it? Something like 500 million tampons go to landfill each year in Australia oh alone. Oh, my gosh. Can you even visualise that? Yeah. And most of them have, you know, plasticky components that take 500 years to break down. I mean, yeah. that is not a legacy of empowerment. You know, that's kind of, yeah, there's this kind of mucky stuff all trapped in there that I don't think, you know, we need to blame people for. But, yeah, it's there's a lot of work to do, that's for sure. So, yeah. Well, hats off to you, Lucy. Doing a great job. Oh, thanks so much. And I, yeah. So, where do you work again? What's what sort of industry are you in? I'm in sustainability industry. So okay. I'm an environmental consultant. So no more. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's a big part of what I do. You know, helping companies go carbon neutral, set net zero targets to reduce mm. their emissions to 2050. Uh, and yeah, it's so much fun. Well, listen, can I ask you, like, I'm really interested to know, like from a man's perspective, what advice would you have for me, particularly working in an industry like that, where you are having to kind of get people on board with things that sometimes, you know, there's resistance, like, do you know, like, what should I call it? Or what should I like, how do I you tell tell me how do I get more <laughs> men on board? And I reckon you're um, doing I reckon the stage show is a masterstroke. I think I actually think comedy and, you know, performance and art is probably the the best medium. And uh, it would be really interesting to because I think the TV show Sex Education have you seen that on Netflix? I think that sort of thing is actually really good as well, where it's just normalizing. And the fact that there's a psychologist talking about this stuff in a very normal way, I think having people that are in a position like a psychologist, you know, a, a, someone like that, that, that is able to just go, no, let's call it what it is. And this is what it is. This is actually a normal cycle and very, very measured. And But but having the the humility and humor around it as well is just, gold and i think that is a really exciting medium to communicate a lot of messages like this and that's why i think maybe the fall down falling down of the environment sector has been too much of the you know having to beat people over the head and say look this is really bad what you're doing is bad whereas i think if you can show people a better way and make it more enticing and you know people naturally gravitate towards a path that is actually more fun more enjoyable and and they know deep down feels good I mean, um, maybe I'm just the eternal optimist. I don't know, but I, I, I well, think... it's going to take some optimism, that's for sure. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I think Not what you crazy. were talking about with, with regards to the the environment as well, that's just knowledge. It's and yeah. and and destigmatizing. I mean, you talk about moon cups and stuff in your book. Mm. I didn't know what a moon cup was. I, yeah, I, did, I had a picture in my head that turned out to be completely wrong because I saw you drawing a picture later on, but. It's just knowledge, and and the, and I think people to read that and go, ah, oh, Lucy uses moon cup. She had it in the cupboard for two years, but didn't use it. But now she does. Maybe I should give it a go. And it sounded like it was actually really liberating in the sense that you didn't have to carry as much gear with you when you go traveling, and all oh, that sort of stuff. So the, absolutely, and yeah. and and I think it, it's again though, it's like you know, industry they, they make more money on selling things that you have to use all of the time. Um. So it's harder to, you know, be viable to sell something that you only have to use, you know, once every 10 years. You know what? I reckon it's almost like, I reckon it's the Tesla deal. Yeah. Teslas are winning out because they are way more fun to drive. 
way more like we're talking step change more fun to drive than normal cars and they're better now your point that you made about moon cups was it doesn't dry you out yeah. i feel like i've immediately stepped over a barrier there <laughs> like hey i just want to acknowledge how you said that and you were really normal about it and it, and you did it so yeah <laughs> as you were you're doing great <laughs> but but um like boundaries aside like here we go so yeah but I that that thing that you mentioned about it just feels better. It's more natural. Yeah. You don't feel like you yeah. get dried out, and yeah. that to me, that's the killer app because it it is better for you. It feels better, and as long as you get over the ick factor, you know it's just a different ick factor to using a tampon in the first place. I imagine. Exactly. You know, you, you're a bit closer to things, but yeah, it it is better because it yeah. makes you feel better. That's um, right. And so that's like a Tesla. I mean, maybe I'll yeah. hold over the calls for, you know, comparing a moon cup to a Tesla. But it, if it's better, it will win out. A great concept there, a Tesla moon cup. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've had a Tesla moon shots. So. <laughs> yeah. Right. Do you know what I mean? That's, oh, that's where. Absolutely. And I, and I actually think, you know, yeah, there, there can be a unique factor because you are more closer to the blood. But actually, it's really fascinating. The first time you pull it out and you look at it and put your finger in it, you feel the temperature of it, it's the same temperature as your body, you know, it's like it's really powerful blood, you know, and, I mean, not everyone's going to want to make a face mask with it, but some people do or they put it on their plants <laughs> yeah. or do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. why is it weird, why is it not weird to go to Bunnings and buy blood and bone and put that on your garden but it's, oh, you know, really weird to just, dilute your blood put it in a jar and go pour it on the lemon tree i mean do you know like it's the stories just, we tell ourselves that's exactly. all it is yeah and, and right. i think like just re-updating the stories is mm. what we need to do yeah actually updating is a great word that's what i've um tried calling my corporate talk updating the linear culture but i think that's probably a bit abstract um but yeah, updating is good because it's like it's not that it's wrong or it's bad or that you're all terrible. It's just like we just need an update. You know, yeah. it's like it's like a software. Yeah. That's it. We just need an update. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. I hope you found Lucy as insightful and inspiring as I did. I highly recommend checking out her book, Period Queen, and her podcast series of the same name. I'll put links in the show notes at thedadmindset.com. Now, if one of these episodes has resonated with you and you haven't already, the thing that you can do to help the most is to follow the podcast on Apple or Spotify. Sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends is, of course, awesome and really helpful. For podcast updates, please subscribe to the newsletter, which you can find along with all the show notes at thedadmindset.com. Well, that's about it from me for now. I hope you have a great week. And as always, enjoy your caffeinated beverage. (laughs) 